In your church, who is doing most of the ministry? In some churches, the paid professional ministry specialist, the paid pastor, is doing and is expected and is expecting to do most of the big stuff in ministry. But is this what Jesus intended? Is it biblical and is it healthy? Healthy for the people of the church and healthy for the pastor and healthy for the gospel and its sharing. In today's program, we're going to discover the inspirational ministry that's taking place at Emmanuel Brinklow Seventh-day Adventist Church in Maryland in the United States, where volunteer ministers are ministering in very significant ways, very harmoniously with their senior pastor, Dr. Anthony Medley. Joining us today is Dr. Anthony Medley, Head Elder, Patrick Creary, Community Health Nurse, Betsy Johnson, and Elder Robert Kennedy. Our topic today is Engaging Local Elders in Ministry. You're watching Ministry in Motion. Anthony, let me come straight to you with the big question. How was all this set up at Emmanuel Brinklow and how do you keep it rolling? Uh, Anthony, it's intentional. Uh, I think you have to be clear on your vision, on your purpose, and on building relationships with your people. Um, that's, that's the necessary ingredients for a successful collaborative ministry between pastor and laity to take place. So we set the vision, uh, House of Hope and Healing. Then we're intentional about asking ourselves, well, how is this going to be realized? What are some of the things that we can do to make this happen? And then you have to build healthy relationships with your leaders because everything is pivotal to healthy relationships. And in our environment, we have already determined that we will not allow each other to be the conflict for the mission. Wow. But it's sustaining the mission. That means that we have to have healthy working relationships in order for the mission to move forward. And that's working at Emmanuel Brinkler. We like being together. Uh, we like working together for the common good that God has given us for our church. So let me just ask to the, the rest of the group, what, what happens in your church to, to bring that healthy, like organic relationships that's, that's there amongst the, the, the attendees? Well, I think some of the things that happen are um, we, we really enjoy worship together. Um, our worship service is spirited, it's enlightening, and the Holy Spirit visits us week after week. And when people ask me about my church, I'm happy to say, just come one time. If you just come one time and sense the presence of God, you'll never want to go anywhere else. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Some of it's historical, I believe, because when the church, I haven't been there since the very beginning, but you've got a small group of people that come together. They love God, they love each other, and so they come in the morning for Sabbath school, they have church together, and then they have lunch right after that, so they're constantly in each other's faces, and that is good and bad. You've got the conflict <laughs> that happens with family, but overall, you've got this glue that forms, and everybody begins to just really form this bond that's that's unique and it, it extends to the rest of the church as it grows as Robert, well. Robert, you're describing a community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And addition, Betsy, yeah. Yes, in addition to that, we care about each other. Yes. And so that's reflected, it starts during church time, 
but it moves beyond that. So during the week, we look out for one another. We visit one another. We assist each other with our personal needs, but not only one another, but others who might be in our sphere. So you may go to someone's home, and they have a grandma there that has a specific need. Well, grandma is all automatically now part of our family. So it goes beyond. Church is just the catalyst mm -hmm. to get things started. Yeah. Wow, wow. Now, Robert, Tell me about your ministry. What, what do you do at Emmanuel Brinkley? <laughs> well, I, one of the ministries I'm a part of, deeply involved in, is the worship ministry. And that involves the praise and worship of the church service. And also we are involved now with reformatting or growing the small groups ministry of our church. And so in doing that, there, some of those, there's a lot of crossover in it because it still comes back to how do you get members of the community to buy in? How do you get them to utilize their gifting and really not just keep it to themselves. How do, how do we teach them then to take that out into the broader community to share Christ mm. with them as well? So a key thing I'm hearing there is that the praise and worship team isn't just doing praise and worship on Sabbath morning. No, you can. Yeah, yeah. You can. So you're, you're meeting at other times, you're doing other stuff besides just praise and worship. Well, it's not even just us. We connect also. We have a, an awesome community service mm -hmm. ministry at our church. So every winter, what happens is they ask different ministries to adopt families in the community. So the praise and worship ministry has had that opportunity several times as well. So we go visit families, carry gifts, pray with them, and still connect with them to invite them to church and hopefully provide some care for them when they come as well. Wow, wow. Now, Betsy, let me ask you about your ministry. What, what happens with you and your ministry? Um, my ministry as the faith community nurse for our congregation and for our pastoral team is an opportunity to bring the resources of the community into our church and to take the spirituality of our church and share it in our community. So we have an opportunity to provide whole health ministry, to take care of the physical, the spiritual, the emotional needs of people, which many times gets overlooked. And it's, it's a great opportunity to work together. The major goal is to have departments working together, just as Bobby was describing. No one is working in isolation. It's not like you, um, this is yours. Together, we help to meet the needs of the members as well as the needs of the community. Wow. So this, this integration, it's, it seems to be multifaceted yes. and webbed to mix a whole heap of metaphors and like a beehive. Right. A lot of stuff's happening that's all interconnected. Anthony, well, yeah, and, and how do you organize that, this? Well, well it, it's several things. And you're listening to our approach today. Mm. Um, one person doesn't have to be the only one who advocates the ministry exactly. of the church. Yeah. We share it together. Mm -hmm. so, so if you talk to any one of us, you're going to hear the same thing. We all are advocates because we're all leaders and we all embrace um, the responsibility of leadership in the church. So it's really the shared leadership model that is not dependent upon one person. The only being that the church is dependent upon is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He's the one who guides our church. Yes. So our responsibility is to cooperate with him. And the Lord has promised to gift his church, to give spiritual gifts to the church. Well, we fully believe in that. 
So our responsibility is to identify the gifts that exist that God has placed in the church and our leadership team and others in our congregation. And so we allow that to grow and we empower people to take ownership of the church. That's a huge part of the collaborative leadership in that individuals own the church collectively. So it's not dependent upon one person other than the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Wow, yeah. this is exciting. And, and just in a, a word or two, Patrick, you, you share a little about your ministry. Yes, yeah, so I'm the head elder at Brinklow and we have 32 elders wow. that serve with us. Um, and each of them not only is involved with the function and running of the church and operating of the church, but many of them have individual ministries that they've gone out. And I encourage that. I encourage them to get involved in something that allows you to share what God has given you here with others in the community or in the world even. We have one elder who has villages in Africa, in Tanzania for kids that are orphaned by AIDS. Um, we have elders that are involved in music ministry. We have elders that are involved in parish nursing. Yeah, and so yeah. there, there are many of them that reach out that do many other things, including their function at church. Right, okay. Now we're gonna take a break but when we come back, I want to hear more about these 32 elders, okay, <laughs> and exactly what they're doing. Because 32 elders is no small number. Right, That's yes. a very significant thing. Yes. And working harmoniously together in an integrated way. Mm -hmm. This is exciting. This is powerful. Stay right there. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is engaging elders in a local church, in ministry in a local church. And we have a heap of guests from Emmanuel Brinklow Church here in Maryland. Now, Patrick, you said that my eyes got real big when you talked about those 32 elders. Yes. And 32 elders in one church, what a blessing. It is, tremendous blessing. Just enlarge upon that. Tell us, tell us a little about those 32 elders. Well, the 32 elders, I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. They range in age from their late 20s into their 80s. Um, we have um, individuals who are single. We have some that are married. We have uh, one of our elders is a widow. We, have, you know, we include ladies and gentlemen as a part of the elder mm -hmm. group. All the ministries of our church, which include the deacons, the deaconess, the elders, the youth, the Sabbath school, all of those ministries within the church have an elder assigned to them. So that person is responsible for bringing the needs, the wants or desires, the things that are going on in the church members back to us so that the ministerial staff as a whole knows what's happening with our members. And so that's how we stay connected because of the elders being out there with the people as much as we are as well, but we may not get all the information. They bring it back to us and then we can pray. We can direct our efforts. We can look for those individuals who are in need and respond to them. For me, I'm, I'm hearing elders working together, networking, Yes. and communicating. Yes, Absolutely. And that's it. It's, it's not just secret information mm. stuff. No. Nope. You, you know, it's yes. shared yes. information yes. for a purpose. Yes. Okay. Now, Anthony, one of the key positions in a church is the preacher. <laughs> who, who preaches on Sabbath morning? Is that you every Sabbath? Well, uh, 
Yes and no. And let, okay. me, let me explain that. Well, first, I, I need to say something about the elders, the oh, 32 yeah, elders. Sure. I think it's critically important for us to understand. Uh, to show the synergy and the collaborative spirit that we have with the 32 elders, that in our church, all 32 elders are allowed to be a part of the church board. Yeah. Now, in many churches, that wouldn't work because politically they would be afraid of the elders voting as a block. That's not the spirit that exists with our elders at all. Mm -hmm. It's total team play, it's collaborative working, it's understanding the mission and the direction of the church. So they don't come with a political agenda. They always come with a ministry agenda. Yeah, and that nice. makes a huge difference yeah, uh, in our church in terms of how we work. Right. It's, it's a beautiful picture. It's unity without the politics. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. Now, regarding the preaching schedule, yeah. um, the, the preaching is primarily the responsibility of the pastor. We're absolutely clear on that, and the church embraces that. Our pastoral team does the lion's share of preaching. However, we have such dynamic elders that they also preach, so we always try to schedule them in. We have two services. The reason for that is we need for the congregation and others to understand that elders are not Sabbath morning spiritual props, mm -hmm. but they also bring a contribution in the spiritual development of the life of the church and its memberships. They also are guardians of the sacred things in the church. Right. And they have spiritual gifts. They have yeah. spiritual gifts. Yeah. So we yeah. try to identify those elders who are known to be very talented and good speakers to give them opportunity to also to, to speak at our church also. So that's a part again, of the collaborative team building. That's the biblical principle, the priesthood of all believers, and the role that elders play in the local church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, looking and, and hearing the, the unity, the networking, the sharing, and even sharing of the pulpit, yeah. this, to me, it's, it's taking me to, to the biblical picture. Did, did you know? And so many times, as we mentioned in the introduction, it's just left to the paid high-profile individual to carry the load and that's that's not a healthy thing right so how would you describe how this style of ministry has blessed the health of your congregation and, and share with with our viewing audience the, the benefits of this so that because I can imagine there would be pain involved in going th through this setup process and there's a lot of work in keeping sure. it together but what are the payoffs for it? Well, first of all, uh, I think that in terms of pastoral leadership, you have to let your ego get out of the way. Uh, ego can stifle what God is trying to do. And you also have to celebrate when others are gifted in areas that you are not gifted in those areas. So once you can celebrate that's the Holy Spirit doing it, then it helps to create the entire atmosphere for the kind of involvement that we're talking about uh, to take place. Uh, let me ask the elders. Let, let them yeah. speak to this also. Yeah. Well, as, as the faith community nurse, I'd like to say that my primary responsibility is to make sure that our shepherd is taken care of. In many right. congregations, this does not happen. We want to be certain that if he is going to be the caregiver for all of us, that his physical and spiritual and emotional needs are met. And that is not just happening by happenstance. It's, it's something that we are determined to do. In addition, to get back to the 32 elders, um, the way the church is set up is not only that they're working 
with the departments in the church. They're also assigned to small group ministries and the church is broken up by locations in the community, like by zip codes. And therefore in health, what we're able to do if someone were to have an emergency, a car accident or some medical concern, we're able then to inform the elder, or if the elder hears about it first, he can inform me or she can inform me, so that we can activate their small group ministry, which is in close proximity to where the concern is, and those individuals are empowered to reach out to one another and to help meet the need. Mm -hmm. This empowers many of the members in the congregation, in addition to the elders, the leadership team, um, so the whole church is being part of the wheel within a wheel that's helping to make things happen. Wow. So let me just ask, and you've really captured my attention on the small group ministry now. With the small groups, are all elders, are all members of the church involved in a small group? And how does, how does that work between the, the elders and the small groups? Well, that's the goal. I, I think as a church that is growing, mm -hmm. when, when, they, when they grow, there are dynamics that change, new people that come in. So yes, there were, according to the church directory, a list of people that were assigned to small groups. So now we're at the place where in growth mode, you, you find some different responsibilities or different interests for people. So it, it may not work in the same way that it did before. So we evaluate and say, okay, now we want to talk to people about their gifts and maybe some of the things that they're interested in, connect them with others that have some of those similar gifts, interests, and goals, and how we can put all those people together to now create something that's more dynamic and reaches the needs of the newer people as well. Mm -hmm. Patrick, tell me about your small group. Well, we ha individuals have groups throughout the city in different areas. Yeah. And the small groups generally when we come together are a group of somewhere between 15 or can be up to 50 people. Wow. And when we gather on Sabbath, we usually have dinner. Mm -hmm. We have an opportunity to share whatever things are going on. Individuals have testimonies and share what's happening with them. The others in the group will pray with them and spend time with them and connect with them. And this is really one of the most important ways of keeping our church connected. We have over a thousand members. So to try and keep all that together takes the effort of a smaller group where people can connect because otherwise you can kind of come in and go out and nobody would know you were there. But with the small group, that gives you a chance for the connection and that's how it takes place. Wow, thank you, Personal thank you. Connection. Personal yes. connection, okay. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion and the exciting story of Emmanuel Brinklow Church. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. In today's program, our topic is engaging local elders in ministry, and we're exploring the inspirational story of Emmanuel Brinklow. Now, as I've listened to the discussion here, I couldn't help but sense and know that the Holy Spirit is, is leading in this. Right. And you know, is, is there something that each of you would, would like to share about how the Holy Spirit has impressed you and the ministry that's taking place? Dr. Patrick, why don't we start with you? Okay, um, I'm a physician um, by profession. Uh, but I just want to say that in our church, a lot of the things that are on the periphery in other worship services, we include, for instance, our uh, praise and worship 
is not at the beginning or at the end. It's stuck in the middle of the service because we believe that if you praise, that should be an important part of worship. So it should be in the middle. But we also do something in health that a lot of churches don't do. We have something called a health minute. And so when we start church, we have a physician or some type of health professional come forward with a thought and idea that they share with the congregation for the purpose of them taking that out and sharing it with the community where they work. For instance, when the Zika virus hit, we presented information on Zika so that our people could go out and either give information or give comfort to those who think they may have been exposed or been bitten. Minister. Ministering, ministering, and that's the whole thing. By uh, entitling our congregation, they then can reach out to someone else and help them as well. Mm. Uh, God has blessed us. We're in Montgomery County. This is one of the richest counties in the United States of America. We do the health fair for Montgomery County. For the whole county? For the whole county. Yeah. That's that our church is responsible for that. So we've had tremendous blessing, but God has blessed us. And he really has, especially in this area of health, plus all the community programs that we have set up to teach cooking and to teach uh, proper exercise and to teach all of these things to the community that we work with so that they, too, can be healthy. That is a draw for individuals as well. Wow. This is a powerful message you have, the health message. Yes. And meeting people when they're desperate, yes. when they're in need, and there's an opportunity there for people with the gospel to yeah, be able to, to share. share it. Yeah. yeah. Well, what the Holy Spirit is impressing upon me at this very moment is the word celebration and affirmation. And I'm, I'm a pastor's kid myself, so I grew up knowing what the pressures of ministry were and what it, it's like to be a pastor, what the public perception is, and then still what the struggles are at home. So I want to take a moment just to affirm our pastor because he used the word celebrating people for their gifts and mm -hmm. empowering them. And I want people to know that it's not just him sitting here in the chair saying that stuff because mm -hmm. it sounds good. Mm -hmm. He's a pastor that actually does that. I know me personally, he's affirmed me and celebrated me and he says it to people in my presence. So mm -hmm. I see that and it makes me feel good when, when somebody's able to do that. And also, when he talks about the way that the elders and the ministry work together, sometimes a leader has their thoughts and their ideas and they impress them upon everybody and they say it needs to be done exactly this way. And he is very open to ideas mm -hmm. and you, you approach him with an idea, okay, yep, run with it, do it that way and you know, let me know what's going on. And so I really love that modeling of that and how that is really spreading to our congregation as well, empowering people that may not have been leadership material before, now are beginning to step up to do some things outside of their comfort zone because this stuff is happening in the background. It may not, they may not see it from the pulpit necessarily, but it's being, it's seeping in yeah. to the congregation <laughs> somehow. So I just wanted to share that yeah. with everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much, yeah. Robert. Now, Betsy, I want to get out of your way and let you speak. <laughs> I wanted to reach back because you stopped on a point that said meeting people at their point of need. And many times the subject of bereavement is not ordinarily approached. Mm -hmm. And bereavement covers a lot of different areas, not necessarily the loss of someone in your family. It could be the loss of finances or the loss of a relationship. Many different reasons why a family or an individual might feel broken. 
And we have a very strong bereavement program in our church that ministers to your needs not only at the time of loss, but for a 13-month period after that time. Wow. To be certain that you can assimilate back into being whole again, the new whole, whatever that might be for you, to make sure that you're not, you have not been abandoned or left alone just to attempt to make it to the other side, but to be supported throughout this new journey that you've been exposed to. And that's something that I feel many of our congregations have not taken the time to make sure they carve out that piece mm -hmm. to meet individuals at the point of need when it comes to losses mm -hmm. of whatever type. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be a mother who lost a child before they even came into the world completely. Whatever that need is, it could be children that's dealing with things. Uh, we must be intentional, more intentional about meeting those needs. Yeah. That's on my. That's a burning of, on my heart. That's a lovely ministry too, Betsy. Yeah. Thank you for what you're doing. You're welcome. Now, just in the little time we've got left, Pastor, <laughs> let's hear from you. Well, I, I want to share uh, from a pastoral perspective. Uh, I believe that Moses' um, father-in-law, Jethro, got it right. When he saw what Moses was doing, he realized that his pastoral method of operating wasn't good for himself or for the people. So the whole issue of divine spiritual delegation became the platform that happened then that we're still implementing at Emmanuel Brinklow today. It is God's way. In fact, I think we do a disservice to God, to ourselves, and to the church when a pastor or a leader tries to do it all by the assumption that you don't have the team there, you do. Mm. In every congregation, there are individuals if they're nurtured, if they're developed, if we trust in the Holy Spirit, can work as a team for the pastor. They've been gifted. They've been gifted. We just have to identify the gifts and allow the gifts to uh, be, come to fruition in, in the congregation. So I think that biblical model is still applicable for us today. And I want to believe that not only do we preach the Bible, but we practice those principles that God has given us in His Word. And that's what we're trying to do at the Emmanuel Brinklow Church. Dr. Medley, thank you. And thank you to you, Robert, Betsy, and Patrick. Thanks so much for coming on Ministry in Motion. Yeah. And may God continue to bless you and your ministries, the other 32 elders, <laughs> and all of Emmanuel Brinklow as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for yes. having us. Yes.